This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 794, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are compassionate and understanding and appreciate science and how it can help us all. Thank you. Welcome my fanboy pick of the week 794. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Hi there. And we are iFanboy. And every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks one I like the best. We call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that bug. We'll talk about the other books in the week, the patron pick. Please, God, listener mail. And we we, can, we can do this. We have we're all the charge. odds in our favor. And we're in charge. That's a really good point. <laughs> We make these decisions fully and functionally and aware, and yet, <laughs> we do and yet. <laughs> Here's a spoiler warning. Exercise some caution. There'll be some spoilers. Josh, you had to pick this week, and I ended up having a, a big week. It sort of unfolded, and all of a sudden, I had like uh, 20-something books. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to be, and at the end, I counted them. I was like, just 20 books here, yeah. uh, and I had to do it all in one night, so... None of these, this is not an excuse, though. The pick of the week is Kang the Conqueror, number one, and it is the pick of the week because I really like Kang, and they released <laughs> a Kang book, and it was exactly what I wanted a Kang book to be. That, if you want to have a Kang book, this is the, the best kind of Kang book. Well, there's a lot of ways that the Kang book could go wrong, especially in this era of reinvention, and, yeah. and, and oh, sort sure. of, it, it, there's a, the, the TV show, and I know that he's the one who is, whatever, the one who remains, or Immortus, or yeah. whatever, but this would seem to be the time that they would be like, let's make this like the Loki TV show, and they were like, Kang. No, <laughs> it's this Kang. Is, this is Kang, he has all of the... Uh, um, Kanginess, Kangism. He for he is Kang. <laughs> you know, the, just all of the um, uh, the regal uh, arrogance and showiness that you want out of a, a '60s Marvel villain. Uh, I, I think you're well, you're absolutely right. I, th- I I didn't have that conscious thought, but I had that in the back of my mind. Where oh, here's where they make they change the character to fit the movie version, which mm-hmm. is what they've done a lot. Sure. But they didn't. They definitely didn't do that here, and that's to say they won't do it in the future. But you know, I was worried. <clears throat> but it's not that. I mean, it's not at all. It's, this is classic Marvel Kang. Yeah, and and further, the you know the writers are Colin Kelly and, and Jackson Lansing, um, whose name I sort of recognize. Apparently, they wrote some movies, and now they do some comics. Uh, I looked. I, I wanted to make sure, but I don't know them, so I didn't know where it was going to go. Um, mm-hmm. Carlos Magno on on art, and he had done that Invaders miniseries, which I thought the art was up and down in it, but it seemed to be much more consistent here. I don't know why there are faces now that work when they didn't in the other one. Uh, yeah, I've always liked him. I mean, I, yeah, I like have. him more than you did. We've we've had problems with him. He certainly has had issues, but um, I thought the art in this was terrific. Yeah, it was exactly what it, it needed. Really, to be. really good. There's so, a couple of really amazing. Pages that there's that crazy double page spread where there's like the, the Fantastic sort of the, Four and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and the history of Kang sort of and then you know there's a there's a splash page in the middle that just was like whoa awesome like yeah. whoa, whoa Kang sm- smacks himself and I was like 
Well, so, this is this is uh, you know straight up how to draw comics the Marvel way. Yeah. You know, wrought to life in the modern comic book era, and uh, basically, uh, there's Young Kang. Even, even I don't. You know what? I know the basic of the origin of this character, but I don't know that I've ever read a story about it. So we skip to the 31st century to begin with, and you see Young Kang, uh, this is the second page anyway, and he's bored. The world is perfect. There's nothing to do. It's a utopia of pleasure and entertainment, and he's just so bored. And then... um, It's important to note that Young Kang is Nathaniel Richards. Yes. And uh, is he a Richards? That's sort of... The fun thing about Kang is there's it's never in stone. Yeah, they've kept it. They can in... play. With, they can play with everything. It's like one one story may say he is Reed Richards's descendant, but another one he could just be he could be Ron's descendant. Right. You don't. We don't know. Um, it's unlikely and, that that kind of genius would come out of that line, though. It's unlikely that it's Ron's descendant, our old co-host. But it's more likely that he is he is Reed's descendant. But it it still it just means you can play with a lot of things yep. when you have a time traveler. Master of Time, but here he is, Nathaniel Richards, a I would say teen, young teen. Oh, a ten-year-old? No, I guess it's ten-year-old. Eighteen. In the beginning, a ten-year-old. Well, I guess you're right. He's, a, by he's the time a teenager. I was 18. Unless right. that's the doesn't matter. Uh, I think it's eighteen because he meets the girl and he does this, this stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's eighteen. He's, I guess by ten he had mastered robotics. Um, he's a teen. He's bored. He's got nothing to do, so he. And he wants to be um, a conqueror. He's, he wants to be Alexander. You know, that's, yes. you know, he's the, uh, Osmandius or, or whomever. Um, Feels the pull of conquering. Yeah. So he, he searches, he's trying to find knowledge, and he finds all these old books. And then out of the time portal pops the Kang that we know it all. Oh, is he found Doom's library. That's what it was. He um, found Doom's old, he goes to Latveria. Yeah. Or what was Latveria? I don't know if it still is or not. And he finds uh, Doom's castle and his old um books and the statue of doom and uh that's when all hell breaks. would you say kang is your favorite villain lately for years he's he's my favorite i you don't want too much of him and no, no, and, no, and part nice. of the favoriteness is the whole package of inherent silliness so he doesn't necessarily make for the best dramatic stories but as we as we trend further towards more desire for gosh in our world the good old superhero stuff like he's the guy like like when you think he's like to me he's the old timey villain that you know the avengers fought in the 70s right. and those are the, those are the stories that we don't get because so many of our stories now are are you know based in realism and and trying to be right. um it, they're trying to impart a lesson or some sort of take on the modern world through these characters and and clear there is nothing wrong with that but it makes that 70s like just wacky shit a novelty in a way it's a fun out yes uh and so as an antidote to that like every time you look at him you look at his thigh high purple striped boots (laughs) but the fact that he's posturing as if he is alexander the great and then the fact that there's sort of he's the master of time so every imaginative thing you know like, what is the thing that Grant Morrison would have the most fun with? This, uh-huh. you know, and, and he can speak archly. It's like, he's pretty much like Doom, but sillier. Because we've explored Doom so much that we are starting to, we're starting to understand his psyche and, and how he is, how he is. I don't want that. Like, I mean, it's here in Kang, sort of, but 
Yeah, I, I mean, right now, like he's the most fun to show up, but it's it will be it will be very easy <clears throat> to overdo that. Like, yeah, let's do this miniseries, but let's not make Kang the new Harley Quinn. I don't think there's a lot of danger of that happening. But no, 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 no. Doom may be an imbecile, but good engineering is eternal. Which is what adult <laughs> Kang says when he shows up to his his young self, and he's basically going to uh, train himself. Yeah, yeah. In the end, I am uh, Kang. At the beginning, I was you. And it's just that (laughs) low-angle shot of him standing there like he could take any fool down in the world. So he takes him to the, um, was it a a week before, a month before? What is the time frame? Uh, Uh, The where for the asteroid hits to kill the dinosaurs. Oh, right, yeah. Well, it's a... Oh, I'm sorry, it's a year. He takes him to, back in time, a year before the asteroid hits to kill the dinosaurs. basically gives him a ticking clock. You've got a year to learn. Uh, before you know before everything dies on this planet and so and this isn't our planet is it because well there are humans and dinosaurs that exist at the same time and i bet any paleontologist and and worth their salt would tell you these all these dinosaurs that are all running around him did not exist at the same time well in the marvel universe there are dinosaurs running around now on savage land that's true so this is a marvel universe science not our science so this is the whole thing about them is that it says the the asteroid not only wipe them up the asteroid will wipe them out and wipe out all traces of them too Mm -hmm. so they were there but then the asteroid also killed them right listen i had the same thought when the person showed up i was like wait a minute but then i thought it's the marvel universe there's still dinosaurs fuck it It no that's totally fine um i agree with that so you know the and then you also get i just was complaining about i don't want to know too much about kang but kang is depressed Mm -hmm. he's forlorn and lovesick and and he's angry and every night he drinks himself into a stupor he kang Kang is his own Worst angry enemy. stepdad. No, in this, he's literally his own like yeah, <laughs> angry true. stepdad. And and young Kang uh, meets a lady. And but I like that young Kang uses it to manipulate old Kang. Yeah, like he brings up his lost love to make him angry and lovesick and drunk, and so he can go off and do other things. That's pretty. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. And then he puts on the thigh high boots, but he's smaller, so they look kind of silly. Uh, and then the bat, then he finds himself in uh, ancient Egypt, and you're like, I oh. think it's why I was confused because at 18 he should be full size. Well, you could be if you watch like a close to full size. You are, but you're skinnier. You get, uh, you know, after that he skinnier, fine, but he's, he learned he's how to bulk up, much smaller, like taller, you know, size-wise. It's all about uh, theatrics. Yeah. So um, he's training. He's training, but it's also he he saves the. Well, a young woman from a dinosaur, and she's, you know, modernly groomed and toned, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, he becomes sort of lovesick as well. Um, when the asteroid comes and wipes everything out, and he gets shot forward into Ramatut, Ramatut's era, which is Ramatut is another version of Kang. I love Kang. Yeah, you know, and, and like the thing is ultimately. This is very silly. You know, like the cave people and that wouldn't look like it. The people who were in Egypt when he shows up wouldn't look like that. Doesn't matter. It's comic book shit. And it's, we're not going to worry about the facts of it. And this could have been awful. And they just leaned into the things. And I was just like, well, this is, this is exactly what I want. Right. You know, and I don't want this miniseries to end. And I don't want to see the character for two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is he's going to be the I get least it. a major bad movie, so you're going to see him a bit more. But I'm just glad this was like classic Marvel King. Yep. I'm glad this was tons of fun. The, the art was terrific. 
Um, it, it was a funny story and a fun story. You know, Kang and Kang together is funny. Is melodramatic. Um, it was like getting the perfect plate of burger and fries. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it felt like to to an old an old comic book reader, and uh, it made me happy. And I did not expect it to make me happy either. It was just oh, it's perfect. Yeah. No, the thing is, like, there are so few vestiges of Marvel and DC that are that are untouched by the large mm-hmm. entertainment world. Yeah. You know, it's just everything we like has been at least altered in some way by movie people or TV people in terms of the published publishing team changing the character to, to be more recognizable to some the mythical random person who's going to come in off the street after watching a movie. Which, and I mean this, totally understandable and justifiable. Yeah. They should from, be doing that. From their point of view, I understand that. From my point of view, I don't like it. So I'm sure. glad that at least in this, in this instance, so far, in so this far. issue... Yeah, right. I mean, they might get there. I mean, like, this you know, I know how time, publishing works. Let's get to issue five. Sure. Things could change. But he's Kang. Anything can change. There's nothing. You cannot rely on anything about it. I like that he puts the helmet on all of a sudden his face turns blue. Like. I liked that the the lady, the, the cave lady, uh, put the blue on his face. And that is part of his, like, whatever's on his face. Yeah. I like I like that I don't know what the hell that is. I like that he has the Lego head helmet, and when he puts it on, his face is blue. Why is his face blue? Why does he not know that purple and green look awful together? Doesn't matter. None of it. It's great. Yep. This was terrific. Uh, my I love s- this. Yeah, I really did. Uh, my second runner-up was Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number three. I have really enjoyed the hell out of this series so far by Tom, uh, Tom King. Quing. Tom King... For he is queen. Um, Bill Quiseverly, Evely, uh, with color by Matt Lopez, and of course, always letters by Clayton Cowell. This was a terrific little one shot. I mean, it's not a one shot because it's a miniseries, but it was a self contained little story on this journey, between, on this Western journey between Supergirl and her young companion. Which, which is exactly the thing that I just said was good that Kang wasn't, by the way. It is a story about, uh, you know, racism and, and American segregation and, and... Well, it's like Star Trek. This is like yes. an old Star Trek episode where they would deal with society's ills through the, through science fiction. This is exactly what this is. And it was, a, it, it was a perfect little self-contained story like it has nothing to do with what they've been dealing with up to this point other than they're looking for this dude and he was tangentially tangentially involved Mm -hmm. but really they just showed up on this planet seemed like a nice little small town planet because again this is a western so it's like they were ordered to the town perfectly wonderful little town everyone's nice to them and anyone who watched the the twilight zone would know like oh shit something's going down yeah and so then (laughs) they discover the dark dark side of this small town and this was terrific this was really good Best, the best issue so far. It was, you know, but overall, I've, I've enjoyed this series because of a couple of things. One, it looks beautiful. Uh, Evely, I don't know, it's, I've, I've seen him around here and there, uh, but it's perfect for this thing. I like the, um, I don't know, he or she. I assume he, she. but I don't know. She, whatever. Um, I've, done, I've made that mistake before and I'm going to keep doing so. It's not a pronoun issue. It's just a full misunderstanding. Um, I guess that is the same thing. Uh and I like the setup of, you know, the initial conceit was that, that Supergirl had gone to this world because she couldn't get drunk anywhere. So she went to a place and then some shit goes down and then we start, you know, True Grit, basically. Yep. Um, 
and I've just really enjoyed the point of view of the story. It's something unexpected. But what this issue highlighted is the fact that when we talk about Tom King a lot, we talk about his long, mysterious, drawn-out, 12-issue maxi-series thing, his, his right. novels, novella, whatever you want to look at it. And what it's not something I forget, but he's a really good short story person. The first thing that oh, I ever saw in comics... Later the show, too. Yeah, the first thing I ever saw him do in comics was a short in a Vertigo story about time travel that he did with Tom Fowler about going back in time to kill Hitler. And it was one of the best short stories. He may have had an Eisner nomination for it. I forget. But He's done uh, several Eisner-nominated short stories and stuff. Yeah. He's, really, he's a really good short story writer. And I, can, I, I so appreciate that in terms of craft, especially when you contrast it with the fact that what he's known for is, is the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's basically just putting in a full story, beginning, middle, and end in, a, in, a, in an appropriate size container. And he does it well on both sides of that spectrum. Um, right. I guess what he, he hasn't done is the 60 issue you know, thing. Right. Whatever. That, that, that's been slightly less successful in terms of Batman, yeah. but it's also the only chance we've seen him had to do something but, like that. You know, as a guy who made his debut as a novelist, you know, that's what I, that's what I want. That is the best thing. I want a story with a beginning, middle and end where it is thought out and not a soap opera that is endless. Like I get so much more satisfaction from that. So in this, this series, we get both. And, and I guess the one other thing is that I don't know anything about Supergirl. I've seen her in lots of comics, but I couldn't tell you what that character is like. And even if this isn't what everybody thinks of, I know that I understand this character. This character has a point of view and is a certain way, and I am enjoying it, uh, especially as a contrast to Superman and what he's like. And she's, you know, his equal in, in many ways, but doesn't get as much of the spotlight. But I, even if this isn't like the version of Supergirl that there is or will be or whatever, like it works for me in this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the art is really terrific. I'm looking yep. at the one page, again, the, the splash page in the middle where they're flying away and just the the, the focal point in the background, um, you know, we, can, we can't see either of their full faces and this dynamic and uh, it's it's terrific. The artist is terrific in this. Yep. 100%. It's a full package. Nightwing 83, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo still, I think this is the end of the first arc of this book. And... Um, so this is where we've been heading, where Nightwing or Dick Grayson announces to the world that he is uh, extremely rich and he's going to be giving it all away at, with the Alfred Pennyworth Foundation, and he's going to be spending all of that money to make over Bloodhaven. And it made me wonder how much money he was left, because uh, I don't know that he's got enough money to do that. But let's quick, we, let's 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 uh, comic book math this. And it doesn't matter. No, none of the amount of money that anybody has in here makes any sense. Um, <laughs> it's it's it was a stretch to, to think that Alfred had been a multi billionaire the whole time anyway. But let's you know, let's say he's Investments, Bill Josh. Gates. I know, I get it, and he was very smart. But, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I try not to harp on it, but it's very much a uh, uh, thought of na- the, of the present day of certain people who spend a lot of time online that Batman would be more effective if he spent all his money on social services. Mm-hmm. And to that I say, uh, he doesn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. It, it's more effective funding his war on crime because you don't have enough billions of dollars to end homelessness. It's a very complicated ecosystem process, uh, problem that you can't just throw money at. But that's uh, why this is of, fantasy. And, and right, you, the city you of LA has learned that. that uh, was the time I've been living here. Anyway, taking all that aside, um, 
this issue is about him getting to that point. What do I do? You know, after he has a little tête-à-tête with with uh, Blockbuster, but you know, he goes and he seeks advice from Superman. And I've always loved the Dick Grayson Superman relationship. It's like his cool uncle mm-hmm. that he occasionally hangs out with, and who really respects very, they, him. Yeah, they have a different different relationship than he does with Bruce. And so, you know, as as mentioned here, Superman named him. At least it, it, that was retconned being the case because mm-hmm. Nightwing was a hero of Krypton. But um, they have a very different and fun relationship. And, and he's Dick's one of the original heroes. And that's what sort of Superman says here is that we all respect you. We all know you'll, you, you'll get you to do the right thing, get everything done. That that final bit, though, uh, where he says you, you go, you should you should go hang out with John, give him some guidance, some friendship. And he's yep. like. No, you're you're the best role model that there is, Dick. And I was like, ooh, oh, Tom Taylor, <laughs> Tom Taylor, you just did your Tom Taylorness, you know? Like you took a thing where super, like the the bad thing is like Superman's gonna go away for some reason, you yeah. know? Which is, you know, they're they're right, but whatever. He made a thing out of it that worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a you get a Dick and Barbara kiss here. Um, how how do you feel about that? Is it? Are, I mean, like, obviously, I love it. Right, but I'm I'm wondering it. You know, you don't want to ruin the will they won't they. Right, I don't want. I want the will. The will they? Okay, fair. Enough. That's my question. It's obviously comics, and it's it's they're gonna will they won't they until after I'm dead. But I, I want them to be will they? You know, I think the they other can thing. Date. You know, he kept talking about his plan, and at one point I realized like, oh, he hasn't told us what the plan is, and I think it worked. I think I I, I understand. I I agree with the thing, and I think that you're right. He can't. They can't do that thing in Batman. But want to play with the concept? Play with it right here. They've come yeah, up no, with a absolutely. perfect reason I mean, the thing for is, it. The thing is, it makes total sense. Dick Grayson wouldn't care about the money. Yeah. But yeah. but I thought I, I had that thought while I was reading it. But then also I thought, well, why wouldn't he care about the money? He doesn't need the money. Why? Because Bruce pays for everything. Right. He's been rich he's, his entire life. So adding a ton of extra money there. Yeah. But Bruce technically doesn't have the money right now, according to the Batman books. So. How is anyone fun? Like it's just it's, it's a, a you start to pull it apart and it's a rabbit hole. But That's, but of all the characters in the family, Dick would be the first one to give away the money, one hundred percent. So yeah. that makes sense. That and the Alfred Pennyworth Foundation, he can fund all the clinics and shelters and social programs he wants. And that pizza, totally pizza giveaways sense. where people yeah. don't. It should know be how a pizza, pizza giveaway foundation. It should be the <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth <laughs> slash pizza, pizza giveaway foundation. And, and it should it, be about educating you the proper way to hold a slice <laughs> so as not to get grease all over your hands and costume. <laughs> That's exactly what should happen. I am yeah. formulating... Sir, a are we eating pizza? No, they're just going to show you how to eat pizza and then send you on your way. <laughs> We're not going to let you eat pizza until you show us that you <laughs> yeah. understand, you respect, earn it. and deserve that pizza. Yeah. Uh, it is becoming clear to me, and it's going to be my theory, that the best comic book characters in the superhero world should should not make sense. If you can do the math and pull it apart and make sense, then it's not superhero-y enough. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. If you can say, like, well, wait a minute, the money doesn't make sense. Listen, if Superman was really this powerful, if you can do that and then at the end it squares and makes sense, they've screwed something up. Right. You need to have the level of disbelief. Uh, and that was Grant Morrison's thesis in his book, Super Gods. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, in their book, Super Gods. And so now we have Superman and the Authority number two. How are you? How are you feeling about this book? This is a four issue miniseries. It's it's kind of I like it. I think it's kind of cool. I like that. I have no idea what's going to happen. It is. Um, it's it's a really good brand of Grant Morrison in my mind. Um, 
It's got imagination. It's got silly, silly things. What is this? The one that has uh, one of my favorite things that Grant Morrison ever did was in the Marvel Boy miniseries, uh, where the villain was a living corporation, and there yep. was a thing like that in this. And I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was a bit of that same kind of imagination. I well, this, go ahead. This felt very classic, Grant yeah. Morrison. Yes. The thing that's that's weird to me is that this is a four issue miniseries and by and it's issue two we've just gathered the team we don't even have a story yeah so i'm like what are we doing in this book it's like two more issues oh this is the 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 internet uh was the the villain yeah yeah and they're personified persona of the trolls which which anybody else does it and it is eye-rollingly awful and grant morrison does it and i'm like all right go with it i want to see what you're saying here Behold, Edgelord's Eternal. Yep. He's, he's allowed to get away with it. Declare. Utter truth, none dare deny. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was. It felt like 90s Grant Morrison. Yeah. It's just, when I finished it, I thought, okay, we've just gathered the team and we have, we're have we 50% out of the way through this story. Like, that's weird. This yeah. feels like, a, if, it's, if it's a sexist human series, okay, but... We're four. We've got two left. So I'm 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 a hundred percent like just living in the moment of the thing and and not thinking about structure, which I think for me is is a is a good thing because you know it can be whatever. How come he has the he has the Columbia and the Titanic? Why is that? He's got. I don't know. I mean, the Titanic. I guess you could bring it back up and sort of repair, but the Columbia is gone. Huh. I just noticed that. I didn't notice it before. He has a police box. I really like this Superman. I like aging Superman who knows that his time is limited and he's losing strength. And he has like a gigantic skyscraper, skyscraper sized um, uh, barbell. Uh, yeah. And it was very silly and fun. There's a witch character. Uh, it's, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's the thing. I mean, like, uh, Super Gods, Grant Morrison's book, Super Gods, in that one segment on, you know, does the Batmobile get a flat or whatever it is, you know, like changed everything I thought about comic books. It is yeah. one of the most meaningful things that I've ever read in comic books. And it got me out of that, you know, the 88 disease. The 88 disease is the thing that says our comic books have to be gritty and real and whatever. And and he went, no, no, this is the thing you really love about them. And I was like, he's right. Embrace the silly. Have fun with it. Yeah, I think, I think that's when you see our attitude on a change. If you go back and, you know, in the beginning of the show when we were younger, we were all about serious comics and we hated the Silver Age aspects of comics. And then that, that book really sort of came along at the right possible moment in our lives. We were, you know, in, you know 10 years into the, the show or less than that and in our early 30s and things sort of changed to the point that that's where we look for it is, right, no, these are supposed to be kind of silly. Yeah. Um, and then and further, we haven't even touched on it, but it's an all-star art. Uh, you know, we got Mikel Janine, Fika Osio, who is uh, an up and comer, uh, who's first seen uh, with Aubrey Citizen uh, at the oh the 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 uh, the fight book. I can't remember the title of off the title. Um, uh, Evan Cagle, who I don't know, and Travel Foreman uh, with with colors by Jordi Belair, Sebastian Chang, Dave Stewart, and Alex Sinclair. You know. <laughs> and, I, I the typo. and the typo where it should say Steve Wands, but I apparently wrote Steve Wangs. <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus yeah, Risen. That is the best letter. <laughs> Lazarus Risen. Um, so this is issue six. It was over 10 months since issue five. And. In the end of this book, he apologizes, Greg Rucka, and says, we're going to get back on schedule. The next issue is in five months. It's supposed to be a quarterly book. 
And and that's I mean, look, I I get it. This is not their. They're not making money on this book. They're probably losing money on this book. So I understand it. It's just you know this this is the frustrating part about indie comics is that they don't come out on and eventually. They don't come out any reliable schedule. Most of them so die out of here's my experience with this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked it up, and I was fully prepared to read the next issue of the Old Guard anthology series. I mm-hmm. just, for whatever reason in my mind, it was this. And I opened it, I went, oh, this is Lazarus, which I had <laughs> forgotten existed. And let's yeah, forget, and let's not forget, in the past, I had threatened to throw people against the wall. About yeah, this book. Yeah, they stopped so The thing is, it, what know, I it did though, 10, 10 months ago was a, was a very stressful time. So yes. You'd be forgiven to forget. The, so, the what I did was, uh, there is a, a helpful uh, a Dramatis Persona page with a, a synopsis, and I read and I paid it. To, I really I went through it. I was like, all right, I complain that they don't put these in here, so I'm going to use it. And I read the thing, and I think I was in a better position than I usually am. And mm-hmm. I read it, and I actually wasn't very lost. Like, they had reset to a certain point, and I was like, okay, I know where we are. I know who these players are. I wasn't confused about which woman was which woman, and I didn't have much of a problem with it. So I have to give them credit for that because they you gave know, they me the did, tools. They actually did a really good job. I mean, we've been reading this book in some form or another for years. So in a certain way, this book is sort of just in the firmament in terms mm-hmm. of the setup. Yeah. So like, I, it's like I don't need to remember, you know, the families, the hawks. The Morays, you know that stuff, but it's just where where specifically we were. Yep. And I think he did. You're right. He did a terrific job of sort of setting up, uh, reminding us where we were without it seeming like they were just lecturing us about time and place. And I yep. thought this was a really good issue in terms of you know what was happening. The families, the Carlisles and the Hawks are going to come together for one final moving forward. Uh, like like it was meeting. it was uh, an advancement of the plot. It um, mm-hmm. involved the big characters. It felt like it mattered um, to the to the narrative. Uh, we weren't just hanging out, watching some stuff happen. It was. I, I, will I really this. enjoyed it. I will say. This. So this is. We didn't mention this is Ruck and Lark. Just in case we didn't mention Ruck, but we didn't mention Lark. So in the past, we have talked about the fact that you have Forever Carlisle, who is the soldier of this family. She, and then you have, and she's a clone. She's a constantly updated clone. She's the eighth clone or the seventh clone. Um, she eight. is the seventh, and then the youngest seven. one, who is eight, is the is now fourteen. So we have eight, who is looks like a younger version of her. Then we have a Campo, who is her trainer, who looks exactly like Forever, also. And then we introduce, who we haven't met before, the 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 matriarch of the of the Carlisle family, who apparently Joanna, who apparently Forever is is cloned from. So she looks exactly like Forever too. No, Joanna so is the sister. Uh, the mother is so Hawk does this thing where he's like, you have to bring your wife and, you know, or we're doing the thing. And, and then we find out she's sort of the, the, the seed, uh, for all of these. So then you have four characters who look the exact same. You know what? I, I, I went into this aware of that. And so I was paying attention and I then didn't have a problem with it, but like I had to, I didn't recognize that as a problem from the past. And I was I was guarded against it, so I didn't have a big problem with it. What is her name? Abigail? Something like that. Uh, I got to get to the point. It's a long book. I will tell you too. I finished it. It's Abigail. Uh, It's a long book, and I I finished it, and I looked at the page count, and I was like, I didn't feel like I just read fifty something pages. No, it moves. This is one of the. This is honestly one of the best issues of they've done in a while. Yes. We talked about it before. It took a while to figure out the format because it's, it's a quarter, supposedly quarterly, like sixty-four page book or whatever it is. So uh, he, he even 
acknowledge it took them for a while to figure out how to pace it. But this was, I thought, the best one since they've changed from monthly. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens next, and we'll find out perhaps next year. <laughs> Provided the world is here. Or they just, you know, it just com- comes out on time. That's true. Hey, let's talk real quick about uh, patreon.com slash iFanboy. I'm going to go through this fast. You guys have heard it before. It's fine. Over the past few years, patrons have unlocked the patron pick, the talk explodes, the book explodes, the media explodes, and YouTube content getting uploaded uh, from our old video show, and well as monthly patron hangouts and uh, patron communities over on Facebook and on Discord. All those are great. We have a new stretch goal uh, on Patreon. Uh, if we hit our next stretch goal, we will add a, a regular semi-regular, unscheduled, I, I realized I was just committing myself to something, I don't know, about a comic book TV show special edition. Uh, so when it's comic we'll cover book... The, we'll do like an Invincible show. We'll cover yeah. the show at the end of the season, like when it ends when the season wraps. Yep. It's not going to be every comic book show. It's not going to necessarily it'll be as needed, but that will be part of the thing where we will say, okay, we got we to do one of these. What have we been watching? What finished up? Uh, so we will do that. Um, if, if we make it past that goal and go to the next one, then we will find a way to return the barbecue email video shows that we used to do on a quarterly basis. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, like I said, there's the patron, uh, Facebook group and discord, uh, group. Those are great fun communities that you can be part of, uh, as part of, of this. So that's patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thank you to all the people who do that, all the people who stick around, all the people who stick around for a little while and then say, I can't do it anymore, and you you take off for a bit or you come back or whatever. Everybody who's done anything to help us put on the show uh, and make us feel uh, like it is rewarding for yourselves and us, that's great. I really appreciate that. It really, also, especially especially in the world that we're in right now, it's great. Yep. Uh, threadless.com is where you can go to find nine T-shirt designs. I've never said that number before on this show. Mm-hmm. Nine. There's added uh, a, a new slash old uh, shirt design that we have, the power and responsibility graph, or is it a line chart? What is the mathematical it's graph? Well, it's a pie chart. It's a pie chart? Yeah. No, it isn't. What are you talking about? I wasn't paying attention. The power and responsibility. It's oh, a, sorry. Yeah. It's a line graph. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something else entirely. Yeah, it's a, it's a line. Were you, were, you think, were you thinking about pie? I was, but I was actually looking up a comic... That we we're going to talk about next. I was looking up a, a point that I couldn't remember, and I was so I wasn't paying attention. But it's a yes, it's a line. Okay, so it's the it's the it's our silly take on Spider Man. Wait, I mean, or a character who's inspired by Spider Man. Right. <laughs> we have uh, another design being added to the store, and that's not lip service. We literally, if we're going through drafts and stuff like that, there should be. Uh, as you hear this, it might even be there. Uh, with two more actively being designed, uh, they can be applied to all sorts of things, not just T-shirts and sweatshirts and baby onesies, but phone covers, bath mats, shower curtains, notebooks, all the curtains, mm-hmm. curtains. <laughs> Go to ifanboy.com slash support. Uh, there is a PayPal link if you don't want to deal with that stuff. ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Uh, you will find a link to buy the books that we talk about. You'll see every uh, episode that we post has a link to the music and to the pick of the week there. And you can use that to, to sort of, if you buy stuff and you, we're, we have an affiliate account, you can buy stuff through there because you've gone to ifanboy.com and you thought, oh man, you know what I need? I need flea and tick treatment for the dog, which is mm-hmm. $67 for a six month supply. You could just buy it through there. If you were, if you, if you happen to be there and you thought, God, being an ifanboy makes me want to do this, whatever. I can't stop you. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not suggesting you do it. It's a thing that could happen. That's what I'm saying. Let's move along to serial number six from Terry Moore. Only credit on the book. Yeah. He's a one-man band. Uh, This was a great issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. As if we, we learn about the serial killer. She is a um, receptionist at a, at a therapist's office. So that's how she's been hearing about all these women who have been mistreated. And that's how she's finding her victims. And at first I was really confused, which is what I was looking up while you were talking, where we, we get dropped in media res uh, right after another murder. And I was like, wait, did, did we did we end here? I couldn't remember what had happened or who this was. She killed very violently with a golf club. And apparently he fought back because it was a giant. The room is fucking trashed. And um, it, it, it ends, you know, it gets dark. She says she says that on fire, a little girl, apparently this little girl, I thought it was a little boy, witnesses the her burning the garage and sees her and knows who she is because of the therapist's office. And so, um, that's a problem. And then and the other girl who is the, who the, 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 <laughs> the magical, yeah. the magical being who was chasing the serial killer. She sort of puts it all together and figures it out. I thought this was a great issue. It was. And the reason that I even wanted to mention it, cause we have, there's been a few things that we come back to, and it's like, I really enjoy this, not entirely sure what's going on. So we'd said that before about Lazarus, and I thought that it was handled really well. And again, with this, I was like, I understand everything that happened in this book. I had no moment of, of confusion. He brought it together. It got kind of heavy at parts, because um, he really, Terry Moore is about as good as anybody at straddling this line. It's not even straddling. Like, he's managed to walk on both sides of a line of being silly and 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 uh, poignant and heavy-handed with with deep issues at the same time. He can do it all at once. It's like, is this book funny? Yeah. Is this book serious? Yeah. It seems to happen at the same time in a way that nobody else can do. Um, he's a master. And and yeah, like the first chunk of it is all uh, no dialogue, straight up comic book storytelling um, that Connor was talking about, and it was uh, mm-hmm. it was just a great issue, totally great issue. I have almost the same thing about time after time, time before time, number four, is that I think in the last one, I was like, I'm starting to lose control of this. And in this one, I felt like I knew where we were. And uh, I was I was really happy about that because I like this book. I think I'm out. Oh, yeah, this is the issue out. I was like, I, I think I'm out. I don't I don't I don't know what's going on. I'm, I can't keep track of the different the, the, the two different groups and why they what, I don't know about them. I don't know what they why they what they want, why they exist. Why they're at war? Um, this book's not help telling me that. Give, not giving me any information. I don't. I could. I just very confused at the end of every issue. I liked the first one a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd like each issue less as I've gone on. Okay, fair enough. I think this, this one me held me a little bit. I understand what you were saying. I, I, I want it to work. One thing I think is that I think it would be kind of interesting. So the story starts when these two workaday guys. One of them that goes off, he goes off the reservation. It would have been fun to spend more time with their workadayness, maybe. Yeah, uh, just to get a sense of the world. Like, I don't yeah. understand what is it the, the syndicate? I don't remember the names. Syndicate and the other one doesn't matter. Uh, Why? I, like, who are they? How are they different? What's their? What are their goals? What do they want? Like, I know one of them is like selling illegal drugs through time or and uh, smuggling people, but what's the other group doing? And like, it just is very confusing. That's that. That's fair. Uh, I am. St- I'm still enjoying it. Um, and I think this one was a little. At least I like. I knew. I think there were three or four characters that are the main part of this, and I. I had a hold on who everyone was. I don't know. Maybe I was remarkably uh, clear-headed this week because I, I kept. I was like, I'm not lost, which is such an old person thing. Well, the thing is, like you, t- you, you chose this week and a good week to, to not do drugs while reading comics. I think that might be a lot of my problem. Is that what happens? Yeah. Is I do my my all night. Uh, eight ball bender. Right. 
Um, That's how you stay awake to read the comics. Obviously, the problem is it help it it, hard, it hurts your memory. There is there's definitely a, a comprehension issue on the other side of that. And you um, thought this was episode seven ninety four. This is actually an intervention. <laughs> it's just if, me though. No one else cares. If you knew me, you would know how funny this is. Superman Red and Blue number six. I wanted to mention. I don't want to do the whole spiel where we spend 10 minutes on these anthology books, but I wouldn't mention that, again, what you said earlier, there's a, there's a Tom King, Paolo Rivera story in here that is just exquisite. <laughs> and he is incredibly, I mean, there's a great Sophie Campbell, mostly silence story that I really liked. And there's a terrific Matt Wagner story about Clark Kent, who gets annoyed that no one reads his stories his hard-hitting journalism. They all want to just read Superman stories in the paper. I thought that was a great story. Mm-hmm. But the Tom King, Paolo Rivera story about looking at basically the lifespan of Superman through this, sort of this waitress at the at a diner in Smallville was just terrific. The Paolo Rivera art was outstanding. I mean, give these two... I don't know why Tom King's not writing a Superman book. Everybody knows Tom King's the Batman guy, but between this and Up in the Sky... He's better at he, Superman. He is really, really good at Superman. And uh, give him a Superman book. An out-of-continuity Superman book. Yeah. And just let him go nuts. This is great. Lois Lane being nervous to meet the parents was terrific. Uh, Clark showing up at the end after you know Jonathan's come. He's a little older. And the waitress now is, starts off, she's like a teenager. Now she's elderly. I That timeline was the only thing that gave me pause. I kept trying to work on it. And I just told you earlier, don't pay attention to that or don't yeah. take it seriously. But I thought, all right, so... Actually, she's not a teenager in the beginning. No. She's probably in her so, 20s. So say that she's... Because she looks a little older. So let's say that she's 30 at the beginning. She could be 30. You right, so really she's got a waitress job because that's, uh, you know, that's how a lot of single mothers get by. So yep. uh, she says she's 30. Superman here is what? Clark He's is, probably... Oh. It's hard to say. Traditionally, he was always 33, but now he's got a kid. Who knows? Yeah, no, I feel like he's like eight here, let's say. So let's just, you know, he's talking to the kid. By the end, let's say he's 45. Right. And that kind of works. Yeah. I I did the math on that. That seems to to be okay. And I, (laughs) like all the comic book writers tend to be 35 to 40. All the dudes anyway. These people that we've known, they're about our age, so... I'm guessing Superman, now that he's a dad, he gets written a little older. That's probably got something to do with why, because of the people working on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it worked. It's great. It was, it was a good story. Incredibly good. This was, this was, this red and blue, um, this is the final issue, I assume, is, was been great, but this, the pick of this, this issue was really good. Yeah. And the one that, I think the one before it was pick of the week, it, like, it, it got better yep. as it went on. Like, the first, the first issue, it was, you know, like, oh, they're doing, like, a black, Batman black and white, and it wasn't sure if it fully worked. Um, but as that got going, uh, the story seemed to get And the thing was, the only thing that didn't work was the color scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, that black and white makes, makes sense. Wonder Woman black and gold makes sense. It's basically black and white with some yellow highlights here. I mean, the book ended up almost being fully colored at times. They just needed to pick one color. It should have been, like, black and red, and then just done that. But it doesn't matter. It's over. And it was it featured some good stories, particularly the Tom King story here. It was, it was terrific. Yeah. I... I I don't. I don't mind the color thing. I like. I think that's the colors that they are, and I, I th- have enjoyed seeing the different colorists interpret that in the way that they do. So those are the books I'm going to talk about. But at Patreon.com/slash/fanboy, every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's always one of our favorite things of the week to follow the vote and watch how it's going. This week, the patron pick was Kang the Conqueror, number one, also pick of the week. For 
as of, of course it is, for it is Kang. So that it, it's such a Kang thing to do would be to orchestrate being both picks in one one issue or mm-hmm. one episode. Yes. So therefore, we don't have to talk about it, but J- Josh, are you sticking with Kang? Of course I'm sticking with Kang. <laughs> and what rating are you giving? Five. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can add a book to the rundown. I don't remember the last time I gave a five. Five dollar higher level. You get your own superpower live on the show. Like these fine four people. Chandler Cook is always eligible and receives without extra payment the unlimited powertrain warranty and no down payment on leases. Uh, uh, Just for cars? Whatever it is that that applies to. Unlimited powertrain warranty and no doubt. You know when you look at the ad and it says this car is $250 a month and you think that doesn't make sense and there's always an asterisk. It says you got to put six grand down. Right. Well, if you can't afford $400 a month, you probably don't have the six grand. Right. And that doesn't make sense. Not a problem for Chandler Cook. You want that car? Unlimited powertrain warranty and no down payment on leases. What is a powertrain warranty? It warranties the powertrain. <laughs> Obviously. What was it's I thinking? The, it's the transmission and engine. I see. Robert Blackley can both make the itching stop and cause itching. Hmm. So he can, he can make you all itchy. Mm-hmm. Or if you are itchy, he can make your itching go away, both for you and for himself. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Thoronga Basnayake. Oh, nice work. And I apologize if that's necessary. Thoronga Basnayake. That is fun to say. That is a mm-hmm. pleasing group of syllables to mine, mine self. Uh, has one problem, and it is that I thought I had written down two powers, and I looked up, and I had not. Well, while you're thinking about it, I'll just say th- that last week we, we said good morning at the beginning of the show uh-huh. and turned that into a whole bit. Tharanga wrote in to say good morning as well because Tharanga is somewhere far away in a very different time zone, and he said, I do listen in the mornings. Well, there and you so go. So it's my, it's my morning uh, routine, so he said good morning back to us. So, so wherever Tharanga is... Mm-hmm. In whatever circumstance that needs to be happening, the weather is perfect. There's, uh, you know, per- like perfect for what he needs it to be. Yes, yeah. So it isn't to say it's always, you know, seventy-two and balmy, mm. right? Or or nineteen and balmy, depending on where you, you live. Um, right. You know, if if it's a ski day, which right. I'm guessing is not a big thing where Thuranga is, but you know, I don't know. Uh, or if it's you're going uh, uh, running, you're doing you know outdoorsy things or cooler, yeah, 60s. yeah, yeah. He want that. That weather's always perfect for what Thuranga and the party with Thuranga needs. Right. It's a, it's a, it's an area of effect, and because it's weather, it has to be quite a large area. So like you you want to live in that town, right? Like home prices there are out of control. For whatever reason, the weather here is just amazing, and it doesn't matter where you are. Tristan Walsh is totally digitally locked down, meaning Tristan Walsh Walsh will never be hacked, will never have identity stolen. It's just impossible. To be the best I've tried, but Tristan cannot be cannot Hmm. be. uh, I was going to say violated digitally, but that sounds terrible. So even if they were successful at like the social engineering part, it still wouldn't. Just can't do it, right? Tristan like, Walsh's Tristan, credit cards could be stolen, and they might try to use them. Could, I don't know, in like Louisiana, a Home Depot in Louisiana. 
That's just mm-hmm. pulling out a random idea. Uh, <laughs> and nothing would happen. Like, so, like could Tristan could uh, 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 post the Apple ID password on the internet. Ain't no thing. There's nothing would happen. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he likes to keep it on the down low, but, well, but yeah, it would, it, it would be impossible. It's like those commercials for the LifeLock where the guy's driving around in the truck with showing his, his social security number on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, you he can't, he can't get him digitally. He's I like safe. that. O- oddly enough, though, home burgled incessantly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, always constantly being house spring broken into. <laughs> just, I've been mugged 64 times. Tristan, lock your doors and windows. I know. Listen, it's digital. It doesn't apply to everything. You're just being reckless. Yeah. I mean, it leaves the door wide open. <laughs> At the same time, Tristan has no concept of the difference between <laughs> digital security and real-life security, so it is a problem. Patreon.com. <laughs> don't, leave the, don't leave the keys sitting on the driver's seat. It's, it's, yeah, he just leaves them in the ignition. It's yeah. just like, I've had, this is the 10th car. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown and get your own superpower live on the show. And thanks to everyone who's a patron. And hey, look, we have some time for emails. We, we did it. Yay. Looks like we made it. <laughs> Joe, Joe P. says, I am sure some form of this question has been addressed at some point in the past, but I have not heard the answer. So here it goes. We are approaching 20 straight years of blockbuster comic book movies, TV shows, and multimedia content. So my question is, why aren't comics everywhere? Comics should be in grocery stores, in a drugstore, at convenience stores, etc. Why should we be falling over stacks? We should be falling over stacks of comics wherever we go. Instead, the industry insists on sticking with the distribution model. It limits single issues to specialty stores. While this makes sense for mature reader books, mainstream superhero books should be everywhere. Do the big two simply not want to make money on single issues? No disrespect to local comic book stops intended. Help me understand why they are essentially making it difficult for young new readers to access single issue comics. End of rant. Oh, Joe. We have talked about this before, but it's been a while. So that's Yeah. Okay. Oh, Joe. I'm, I admire... I it's an optimism. I was going to say something, but that's right. Uh, there's a lot of things here. Number one is that you assume it was comics choice to leave those places. <laughs> and you assume wrong. Uh, the newsstand got rid of the comics, not the other way around. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, we've talked about this before, I, I bought a lot of my comics at the newsstand on 72nd Street and Broadway. But, you know... Eventually, there was no more comics because the newsstand decided their real estate and the newsstand was better spent on other things. Um, you know, comics don't just get to decide where they go. The people selling the space and the, get to decide what they sell there. So then so. it's a follow-on effect because I don't know if you have noticed the cover price of comics is very, very high. And so, and in then terms, they become a specialty item by paying them a specialty In store terms of return on investment, uh, getting a kid to pay $5 for something that uh, is probably less stimulating than many of the things that they have around available is a lot to ask of an audience who probably doesn't exist. Uh, every single print periodical in the world has seen a contraction uh, in purchases of the paper. People don't read. And they don't read like a thing. They read, they read the beginning of a thing on the internet, but that's about it. So... Um, it's, it's a very niche item at this point. And then the other uh, knock-on effect of that is that as they sell less of them, 
the economies of scale dictate that the item becomes more expensive. So the if you sell a million books at a dollar a piece, um, you will make the same amount of money as if you you sell um, what is it like two hundred thousand at at five dollars a piece, and so the percentage of the overhead of that is much higher. And the people who make the comic books have full-time jobs. And in order to do that, they can't seem to sell more than they do. And that's contracting constantly. Comic books used to sell a million. They used to sell, like there was times where they sold 10 million a copy. And now 30,000 is pretty successful. And You know when they sold 10 million a copy? It was when there was no internet, no video games, no television. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just the way that things work. People don't, don't want to read there. So kids obviously read and bookstores sell a lot. It's just that things changed, you know, like, uh, collected, uh, kids, comics and bookstores sell way more than single issue comic books because that's how people want to read the stories. They don't no kid wants to go down to the local comic shop, uh, deal with all that and spend $5 for 20 pages and then wait a month for the next part. Right, it's just not you know, the way it works anymore. They didn't, but, you know, when 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 it was the issue heyday, they didn't make trade paperbacks and collections. Right, that was the only way to read it. When I was a kid, again, at that aforementioned uh, mentioned uh, loose stand, it was seventy five cents or a dollar for a comic, mm-hmm. and so that was easy enough to me to scratch some change and run down and buy a Batman comic. But that's that's not, you can't do that anymore. But it was a different world. There was no such thing yeah. as binging. When a TV show came yeah. on the air, you could see it one other time. There was a rerun when a movie came out. You maybe saw it again, you know. But like we had videotapes when we were growing up. But ten years before that, after that movie left the theater, you didn't see that movie again. It's a different. Until it was on Saturday night, and then everybody watched it, and thirty million people watched Indiana Jones. Right, but Um, the point. Yeah, it's just different. But like the most important thing is, comics didn't choose to leave those spaces. Those spaces chose to leave comics, and you can still go into drugstores and there'll be. I've seen them in like Seven Elevens. They're still, they're still in those places. Things that people still don't want them. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if if they if they would sell, people would sell them. Yeah. And and uh, we end of we story. read them, you know, every week, and we love them. And if you listen to the show, you're you're the same. But it doesn't mean anyone else wants them. Yeah. And it sucks. I it's would love like, it if they were available everywhere and they were cheap and people were reading them all over the place. But that's just not the case. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a metaphor. It's like jazz now. Jazz was a really big thing for a while. It went on to influence everything that came after it, but there's only a few people left who are like really into jazz. And that's mm-hmm. comics. You know, like it's a great American art form that in its original form is not as successful as it used to be, even though its tendrils and its influences are in like almost all the pop culture you see. That's just the way it is. My family members, they, they go to see every comic book movie. They wouldn't read a comic if I handed them to them. And this is Connor's family. Right. And they, that, that means that there was comics around yeah. all the time. I, I had them around since before I could remember anything. But my brother never read them. No. They were everywhere in our shared bedroom. When, uh, it's just, it's just the, way it was. when the comic book movies were first coming out, the big thing that comic book fans would say, well, you should be giving away these books in the movie theater. You know, then people will go to the stores. You should be selling the comics in the lobby. And they did all that shit and it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't work. And, and people are like, well, they didn't, you know, like, people don't want the books. And, and I'm, you know, that's not good for any of us. I wish more people did. I wish more people appreciated this beautiful and amazing art form um, in the way that we are used to it. But at the same time, 
a lot more people probably do appreciate this art form. It's just not in this version of it. So, but, you know, uh, book, uh, but a side part of that is that you do see sales rise in the bookstores. Again, you see the yeah. collected edition. So when Watchmen, the movie came out, that, that book sold through the roof at bookstores. When does. The Walking Dead was huge, that those, those trades were selling huge at the bookstores. And, people just don't want 20 pages for four dollars. And we're talking about or, we're talking about single issue superhero comics. Right, right now, YA graphic novels are ruling yeah, bookstores. Yeah. So those are comics. Those are yeah. kids reading comics. They are not kids reading the same comics that we old men mostly read. So yeah. to me, that is a triumph of the medium. Like they arrived. It's just not in the form that you're used to. Uh right. But comics, I mean, it's a it's a great time to be a graphic novel, you know, YA cartoonist. You know, there's just yeah, different a forms. Ha- a certain handful of them is terrific. Yeah. yeah. Read the next one. Zach C. from Texas, Tejas, says, I just listened to the show, which featured the discussion of Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one. I understand Connor seems to have a problem with characters replacing the original star of a book, such as John Kent being Superman or Jane Foster being Thor. My problem is, what makes Wally West different? He's also replacing Barry, but Connor seems to enjoy the flashbook. What's the difference? Also, see Carol Danvers uh, as Captain Marvel. And I assume when he writes Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R, he means you. But I can't I be sure. I don't know. It's just that I mean, your name the, the, has been the, on the internet for 20 years and people cannot spell it right and I think it bothers me more than it does you. The rare double misspelling. Somebody at work recently was asking me about my name being misspelled and I was like, man, you don't even, you don't even. <laughs> <laughs> no one so, can spell my last name right but that doesn't come up on the show. So, and there's a couple of things at play here. Number one is that um, you I'm no different than, than than anybody in that you tend to be find the things that were there when you were a kid. Yeah. So it's subjective. It, when it, I was, it's all subjective. When I was a kid, Carol, you know, original Captain Marvel had died. I never, I never read any comics with the original Captain Marvel. I've only read Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel before that. Um, when I was a kid, for, oh, first of all, put a pin in that. Go back in the show and listen to when they brought Barry Allen back, and I was the only one excited about it. <laughs> because the Flash is my the, the Flash. When I was a kid, I grew up reading Silver Age and Bronze Age comics. Barry Allen is my Flash. I like Wally West. We're going to get to that in just one second. But I was the only one. And you can go back and look up look up when the Flash Rebirth is coming out. Look at the comment section on those podcasts. I was the only one excited about Barry coming back. He's my Flash. But like I said, as a kid, he was dead. He died in 1985. You know, that was the big mythical story was the Flash had died and his sidekick took over. And so for me, as a contemporaneous reader of comics, that Wally was the Flash. He was he was one of the first books I bought when I started going to the comics store regularly in junior high school. Because so that's, just, that, that story worked exactly the way that it was supposed to on you, right. which is right. was the plan then. Right, like I read these old comics and wow, who, this is a Barry Allen. He's the one who died in crisis and that's he's so cool. And that's my love of... All of the Silver Age versions of the characters came from that era of my being a young kid reading back issues that I bought for a buck or whatever at the comic store. But new comics coming out, it was Wally. And I read that. I've been you know, a Flash book since I was, you know, 11 or whatever. But um, Superman, I think, is different. He's like the most important superhero of all time. He may, may not be and is not the most popular, but he's the most important. So I think moving him off the board is a mistake. Um I like 
you know, again, it goes back to your childhood. I like all the characters I read as a kid. Those are the ones I want to keep reading. That's to me, the continuity and the magic of comics. Um, and that's me not wanting to see people not read those characters, but it just goes back to what you read as a young, as a young person, really. Um, I, I think you do make a good point is that, you know, Barry Allen versus Wally West are not really a one to one. And that Superman is, is the, is the alpha and the omega of the whole thing. And so his inherent power and goodness is the linchpin of, I mean, of DC comics, if not all superhero comics. Right. And it's, it, it, it is happening without reason. You, you right. know what I mean? Like there's not, there's no good reason for this. Right. And, and the, I don't think that either of us have had a big problem with there being John, there being a Superboy. I think we've generally enjoyed those stories. I really have. I really like the character. I like the whole thing that's going on. I like the future tense um, uh, in Deceased where, you know, Superman did not didn't die, but he ended up in the sun as a zombie, you know, and, and you watch John take the mantle or you watch Damien take the mantle. Like those stories were really good, but it wasn't the canon of the main sort of storyline going through. So I would I would go back to Crisis again and say there was a reason why you know Barry died in a very impactful story. It was a big deal in the in the, in the yeah. Marvel in the DC universe and in comics. So it it at least there was a good reason or a good story behind it. Here it's just sort of just happening for no reason. And he just keeps just, saying so, like I've got to go to I'm going to have to go away, and I was like why? Right. So <laughs> at, at the very least, if you're going to get rid of Clark Kent for any amount of real time. Why not use that opportunity to tell a really impactful story that that changes the whole DC universe as opposed to just having him shuffle just, off. Just shuffle off like a you know exit stage left? It's just sort of weird. Like the reverberations of Barry's death lasted for three gener three three generations three decades. Mm -hmm. He was he died in eighty five. He didn't come back until like around two thousand five. Around it was yeah. later than that, but around two thousand eight. That's about around there. Now that's a long time. <laughs> He was gone as long as he was around. It was fifty-five to eighty-five, and then gone until the early two thousands. And so they 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 really made that an impactful story moment in the universe. Here he's just sort of going away. Mm -hmm. Whatever. If you're not even reading Superman books, you're probably not even aware of it. Yeah. So that's we, we don't that's know. They haven't really said exactly what it right, is. Right. But the point Maybe. the point is that you know use that opportunity. But the real point is, you know, like everyone, kid people who like Wally grew up with Wally. People who like. Tim Drake more than Dick Grayson grew up on Tim Drake. You know, it's just whatever you grew up reading. I like the classic characters that I that were around when I was a kid. That's I mean, it's fine. true that it's true that like if you want to read Thor and for the whatever, you want to read Thor like the actual like Thor Odinson, you know, blonde hair, braggadocious, mm -hmm. then this other story of Jane Foster Thor, it's a different character. Yeah. It's a different thing. It's not what you you saw. Now I enjoyed that. I thought it was. I thought it was really fun. Connor didn't want to read it. It's not really a crime, <laughs> like it's, um, you know. And eventually, it came back around. It always does. But now the problem is like, why is Thor so unsure of himself all the time? Like that's the problem with it. So he's kind of still not Thor. Yeah. Um. But you know, the, you know, it comes and goes, it ebbs and ebbs and flows, and it'll all come back around one way. When you're another. when you're reading characters for decades upon decades, you get you you form complicated emotional bonds to certain ones. Mm -hmm. It does not you always know? make logical sense. No, very rarely. Mm. Hardly anything in comics makes logical sense, and they shouldn't, as we have discussed. Contact at ifanboy.com. Thanks for Zach and Joe. Terrific emails. Um, We've we, been we saving them. Really cool. 
Yeah, we've been saving it. We got some really good ones in the last couple of weeks. We're going to try to make sure we're on top of it. Um, we'll be better for you and for us. <laughs> I say that now. Contact.fanboy.com. If you want to write in for the Media Explode show, please put Media Explode in the subject line. Some quick plugs. We put out our iFanboy special edition show on the Suicide Squad. That's behind this show on the feed in which a bunch of us, our own little Suicide Squad of reviewers, took a look at the film and reviewed that. And then just recently... I would just like to point out, because I wasn't on the show, I I enjoyed it just fine. That's my my review. I enjoyed it just fine. All right, that's good. Booksplode just came out right behind this episode. It's the Booksplode and True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee by Abraham Reisman. Somewhat controversial already, but you know what? It's a complicated and emotionally fraught subject, and I thought we handled it about as well as you can handle it. Hmm. Uh, in terms of, you know, <laughs> not, uh, it's again, what we just talked about, it's all weird emotions after decades of being. It's a, it's a real person, not a, not a, right. Not a fictional person. So Although, there's an argument to be made. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then coming soon next week. So, I'm sorry. This coming week will be our next Media Explode show in which we'll be doing old men on old movies. We'll review American Graffiti from 1973, the seminal George Lucas film. And uh, you can check that out. It's available to rent in various places. Um it's over, it's on it's on streaming. So if you want to check it out with with us, you know, it's available. You can get it. It's out there somewhere. That'll be this week. And then next week is special edition Batman: The Long Halloween Part Two. So that'll be coming out uh, the following week. So we have the next two weeks of special editions all lined up already for you. And check those out. And of course, eventually one day there'll be a talk explode. I have the I have the next one scheduled. Right. The one just, that was just go to that one. No, I'm gonna do it. I just and uh, I even got an agreement, but then. Uh, whatever the what month is it? The uh, uh, July show cursed. The July right, episode of Toxplode was cursed. Jump to September. That'll I, be the next Toxplode, and then no. figure out a one in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I will. I do not. I am made of responsibility. This will happen. Uh, I'm tired of talking about it though. But uh, I've got the next one done, and it will be significant. Not done, but and then, ready. And then finally, uh, I'm gonna plug it for a couple more weeks. Is the DC Batman Bat Tech Edition app that I worked on in my day job. It's out for Android and iOS. Search uh, BatTech, B-A-T-Tech, on either of your stores. You'll find it. Uh, it's an app for kids. teaches kids about Batman and his technology. There's some fun AR missions and games and filters and stickers. And there's even an original comic series in there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And I spent a whole year working on it uh, with a whole bunch of people. And uh, really proud of it. So check it out if you can. I appreciate those who have already done the show. I even noticed some familiar names in the review store, in the store reviews. And so thank you for reviewing it and uh, appreciate it. Everyone has checked it out. Head over to ifimbo.com. You can find all the shows that we do, all the history, the vast history of writing that has been on that show from all the talented writers and, and good thinkers, very good thinkers that have been on ifanboy.com. You can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy, follow at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboy on comics at ifanboy comics on instagram uh you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out you can know when the new shows come out and so on you can follow us individually at cs kilpatrick and jay flanagan on instagram that is the only place that we exist on social media at this point uh you can subscribe to our youtube page over youtube.com slash ifanboy to keep up to date with the old video show re-uploads this past week uh there was pick of the week 
There's a mini for the pick of the week of scalped number 18. If that gives you an idea how long ago that was. Um, Seriously. Jesus. The 2009 book of the year, um, which I meant to look and see what it was, and I didn't notice. It was uh, Parker. Oh, Parker. Oh, excellent. Um, And an anthology show that we talked about before, which was uh, about Sleeper, which is me, and Puck, which is Connor, and Four Boxes, where... What? I'm Puck sorry. Is Puck is Ron, and then Connor spends a good deal of time with cardboard, and I just yeah, <laughs> scan through a, it. <laughs> you get to watch me in in, in riveting sped stuff up fashion. Try to put together a drawer box. Riveting stuff, buddy. Uh, you know what's funny is that I I, I watched my part, and uh, I was like, "Wow, that's my old office from <laughs> years ago." And like, it just it, I was looking around my the room, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. forgot about everything it's a time in capsule. this." Yeah, and I was like, I forgot I liked that shirt, but it was a little tight. And I looked and I was like, yeah, it totally was. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot there's a lot of threadless t-shirts in these old videos. Yeah. And um shirts I could never in a million years put on right yeah. now. Yeah, it's not Connor showed me a very disturbing still of myself. <laughs> uh that I I, 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 I I was like, what on earth? Who let this happen? If you like the show, uh, consider writing a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, that is word of mouth. Tell your friends when they ask for podcasts, your comic store uh, buddies, whoever it is that uh, you think might enjoy the show. Please help spread the word. We thank everyone who does that. And look, we're not super long, super long, and we did the, the emails, and that's a good show. Listen, this show is a minimum buck 10 at this point. Used to be, we shoot for an hour, we added this other stuff, buck 10. Also, we have more things to say about comics, and I, I think no, nobody, can, nobody can complain about that. And until next week, I am Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and supporting and doing this stuff and, and being good folks out there. Uh, we expect as much of you and more. I don't know what that was at the end. <laughs> <laughs>